Before we get into my chat with Ginny Lemon, I want to tell you about an exciting new development over at patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. In addition to the bonus episodes, the listener questions episodes, and the movie club episodes we all know and love, now you can get these episodes, the regular episodes, early and ad-free. And in other exciting news, Chrissy and Craig, my new show with Chrissy Chapeca, premieres in a few days on Tuesday. I don't know what day you're listening to this, though. So let's just say in a few days. Perhaps by the time you hear this, it'll be out. You know what's out now anyway, no matter when you listen to this, is the trailer. So click on the link in the episode description of this episode, head on over to the Chrissy and Craig page, subscribe, and get yourself set up for fun. And with all that taken care of, let's get into my chat with Ginny Lemon. Make believe, it's not pretend. We might be ill, but we're on the mend. It never stops, it never ends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Am I on? Yes, yes, uh, you are. I just heard something fun. There was a good way to start with a scramble. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm a mess. How are you? <laughs> similar, similar. Thank you. It actually worked out well. So I see that uh, there was something about a 30 milligram versus a 15 milligram uh, last night. Don't, don't. I basically, I've had a bit of a morning of it. I was meant to have some sort of um, Twitter Q&A with, with uh, the Drag Race people yeah. today. And then it, that went tits up. There was some <laughs> miscommunications. So I started slagging off Drag Race left, right and center slagging everybody off, everybody I could. And then so I've had phone calls and calmed down and removed everything. And then I look at I look at my pills and I go, oh, I had two of my sleeping pills, not one. So oh. I think that probably makes up why I'm a bit strange yeah. in, the old, in the old medication box because I took it, forgot about it, and took another one. So that was 30 milligrams, done. I, I've done that before with, uh, I think it was back when I was on Ritalin. I'm on Adderall now. And I took it and it was almost like when you lock your keys in the car and you're closing the car door at the same time and you go, yeah. oh no, I'm doing, it's, uh, it's in there and you just, yeah, yeah. it's too late. <laughs> it's too, too late. late. Yeah. Too late to deal with. So I'm having one of those days and then I completely forgot about this, saw your messages and thought, oh, for fuck's sake, what is going on? <laughs> no, that's quite all right. I mean, and it ended up that I had to run to the bathroom anyway. So it actually worked out perfectly in a universal so, sense. A wee or a poo? Yeah, uh, poo, actually, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a poo, yeah, yeah, good, good. Is it early now for you in, Amer- in Americurbs? Yeah, it is, although I, I my schedule's been a little wacky, so because I was up late last night, I took a nap yesterday that went kind of late, and then I was like, you know what, I might as well just stay up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'd like, I was doing some editing, and it's only... It's only like that one hour, you know, when you have to do that, because I'm sure you've done that too, to catch flights and everything. There's that weird hour where there's not really anything specific to do, where suddenly your system goes, please, I just, I can't just put me, put me to bed. But you just, you work through that. Yeah. 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 What's your sleeping schedule like usually? I mean, you have sleeping pills. So is this something that you struggle with at all? Well, I do, you know, I used to, I used to sleep like an absolute rock. Like I was never, you could play a brass band and and I would never get up. You would, sure. it just wouldn't even, wouldn't even. And then, and then a couple of years ago when I had my big mental breakdown, everything just went on its head. So I was just one of these people that just couldn't sleep. So I, I had nights and nights where I just couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep. Um, but, you know, the medication has sorted things out now. So the, it, it tends to be a bit more regulated now, as long as I'm on top of it and not, 
and not double dosing. <laughs> well, no, sure, because sometimes people use uh, sleeping pills only occasionally. Recreationally. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm smoking one right now. This is just a sleeping pill. <laughs> it's all in the way you administer it because it affects you differently when you smoke it. And then also you can do it out in public and no one's like, oh, what's good? Yeah, <laughs> the whole crushing and snorting the pill in public. Still, people have an attitude. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. It's only a codeine. I don't know why people are getting so upset. I know. It's not like it's a drug drug. Uh, now, is that a marijuana cigarette or is that? I, that's not legal in, in, the, in the UK, right? No, no. It's just a cigarette. It's just oh. a cigarette in the UK. I roll my own nose. They look like spliffs. Yeah. And what, uh, um, what uh, type of tobacco do you prefer? I smoke Golden Virginia. That's what I smoke. Golden Virginia is smooth, but now they call it yellow. So I have to go, Golden Virginia, yellow, please. <laughs> oh, right. Because oh, they, they've removed all the stuff, just like in the States. They took away the lights. They took away the mild, all that. Yeah, because... and now they just put, like, people's pictures of throats and, like, tongues. And, stuff. <laughs> and I right. collect them. They're, they're like the new Pokemon in my eyes. They're mm -hmm. like... I'm like, oh, what have you got? You know, the child smoking the, the cigarette the wrong way. Uh, the one like looking at its dead father or the impotence one. That's a good one as well. I like those. Oh, that's I didn't know that they marketed that now. That's terrific. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just like Pokemon cards. So I've, got to, I've got to collect them all. I've got a huge collection of tobacco pouches. So I won't stop until I've got all of the, you know, harrowing images in my collection. Sure. All the variations, then all the different warnings too, like yeah, the, the yeah, written yeah. ones, right? Um, yeah. It's funny because I guess before the pandemic, when it was uh, not so scary to just hook up with someone, maybe you'd go for the birth control one where it was like, this would be harmful to children. And now maybe when it's harder for people to have dates, they go for the impotence one. You know, maybe they're yeah, hoping. Yeah, exactly. So just straight for the impotence one. I'll have that one, please. I'll have that one. <laughs> maybe it's a bit cheaper. Yeah, exactly. I won't have to worry so much. I won't get yeah, so frustrated. Exactly. <laughs> but you don't get that frustrated in that regard, right? Not only do you have a husband, but you have a boyfriend. I do. Yeah, I'm very lucky to be in a love triangle. That's fabulous. Um, now, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying I'm currently searching for a large bed. So if you can recommend any large bed retailers in the UK, that would be really good. That's good. I'll keep my eyes and ears open. Any listeners uh, who know any uh, appropriate vendor for such a thing? <laughs> Is this... <laughs> So are you recording? Is this on? Are we doing it? Oh, we're, we are. Yeah. Sometimes we're doing an <laughs> intro. Sometimes I do an intro. And as long as you're okay with everything we said, I'm going to keep it in because I think it was really good. Oh, I don't give a shit. You can keep anything in, darling. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, we, you know, and I, what, I was just talking to a, another guest the other day, Michael DeBar, about how sometimes you get on a Zoom and you're not sure or because, you know, you don't have the physical presence to sort of yeah. read and everything. But it's always lovely on a Zoom when you can put it on and you're immediately like having a good time. So thank you for that already. Oh, well, my pleasure. You know, otherwise we'll just be bored pretending to like each other. And that would just... <laughs> yeah, that, that's grim. At least in I person you can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're an asshole i'll just tell you you're an asshole simple as <laughs> i'm waiting for i'm waiting for the second half of the show to reveal that so i figured mm. you know mm. drama you needed like a little uh intrigue well i love the second reveal of an asshole i can't believe it <laughs> who doesn't like a nice reveal of an asshole as well and and speaking of that <laughs> when uh it, 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 to uh bring it back to sex as we like to do uh how long have you been uh with each of your partners so I've been with my husband now for um, over 15 years um, and we've um, been with our boyfriend now for almost two years. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. what, was the, what was the process like of uh, finding a mutual boyfriend? Now, I'm, I'm assuming that it was a, uh, a non-monogamous situation before. Well, absolutely. I mean, we always kind of, we, we met, we, we were childhood sweethearts, really, but we were always quite, you know, the world is a buffet ready to be eaten. So we've always been 
committed to each other, but we may have gone to parties. We may have had friends around in the past, you know. Who knows? Who, who, who could say? Who can say? Who, who could possibly say? Who could possibly say? But exactly. we've always been very much committed. But when it came to to meeting Jack and the connection that we had with him as a friend and then other feelings were developing, it, it was very natural. So it wasn't a case of like we were on the hunt for some meat, oh, you no. know, very much yeah. it became like a very natural organic thing and it grew from there. And, and because we have always been very open and have those conversations with each other, we basically had more conversations and we're like, how do we address these feelings and how do we, you know, love is, is a, is an unusual thing and we would be stupid mm. to walk away from from love really yeah exactly it's a many splendor but yet confusing and difficult thing <laughs> as the song it? goes right the classic song that's the <laughs> no that's really beautiful i mean i always like to highlight any non-monogamous situation uh on the show because i think it's basically for most people not for everyone i think it's probably the better way and it seems to work out very nicely for people and then especially something like your situation is a nice thing for people to hear about well, I think the best thing that comes out of it is that really we're learning to talk and that's what you need to do in relationships is to talk and to communicate because that's where I find people go, oh, you know, what's the secret? I'm like, well, there's no secret. We just talk. Like, mm-hmm. we just chat about if we're pissed off. We'll, when we talk about being pissed off, if we're, like, happy, we talk about being happy. It's all about being open with each other and and this idea of, you know, there's, there's no need to lie. You know, what 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 is a lie? Just Just tell the truth and be honest and be, you know, and so, especially to the people that you love. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Whereas sometimes I, though, it's so strange, like that's the one person or the, the not one or maybe many people that sometimes we try to hide certain things from particularly our emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, they're the people closest to us, so they can see us more than we can see ourselves, I think, a lot of the time. So, <clears throat> you know, in, in, in this in this particular situation, I couldn't hide those feelings from my husband and he couldn't hide them from me. So you know we we just we just went with it and we love each other and respect each other enough to have that conversation and that's where it comes to talking and yeah one thing i have found out and i've learned about myself is to always remember yourself as an individual somebody said to me one of my best friends lacy was um had you know some been reading a lot and was thinking about relationships and they said to me they read something that said you you, you cannot find your other half Right. It's like because you you are not how can you be a full person if you are half? What are you searching for? Another half? Like you need to be a full person. So it really has helped me kind of see myself as an individual and as a whole person, which makes me reevaluate how I talk to people, how I interact with people, and go, you know what? Take a step back. You're not a half. You're a full person. How do you deal with that? Right, and it's such a common misconception too, because I mean, there's a lot of things in romantic comedies or. Uh, received wisdom about that, that we need to find either the one or the one that completes us, uh, language like that. It gets very kind of muddy and confusing because it gets ingrained in there sometimes too. Well, yeah, well, that's just Hollywood bullshit though, isn't it? That's just media bullshit. Like you need to have that. You can only say that too much. It's like, come on, like step up out of the, stop. Can you, why are you believing a rom-com for fuck's sake? Like entertainment, entertainment is there to be falsified and, and to be adapted and and perversed in the way it needs to be perverse, but that's not real life. Real life is real life. That's entertainment. That's showbiz. That's television. That's movies. That's completely different. Like believe it, enjoy it, but know it for what it is. You know, which is a bunch of lies. Right. That's true. And I think it's also compounded too by uh, family structures and the sort of the done thing that happens in relationships and people putting themselves in positions that maybe are, they don't even think about because it's just what you're supposed to do. 
Oh, I mean, that, but that's ingrained with tradition, right? That's ingrained, yeah. ingrained with where you're from, where uh, how your families interact. Um, a, a religion, if you partake in religion, you know, it's all so interwoven with, with family. And, but that kind of all goes back to identity, isn't it? And searching about uh, one's own identity, like recognising uh, the cultural identity, but also recognising yourself within that own culture does that make sense what no, I, it makes no it I makes absolute sense no it makes absolute sense i know i have that same feeling sometimes that i'm like i think i've been talking for a bit today am <laughs> i uh am i saying anything or am i just like uh this word sounds good with this word but no no yeah. is that yeah. good or is that bullshit i, I don't know where i'm at right now <laughs> <laughs> are we cutting this bit no uh, that, that... <laughs> <laughs> live, i'm gonna be sick <laughs> <laughs> it's not on is it yeah but no you, you're 100 uh i 100 agree with you because also and it's like you said with the individual thing uh you have to remember that in society as well and in all sorts of things uh friend groups anything really because without having this strong uh, individual sense of who you are i don't think you can integrate properly with anyone in any real way no and it takes time like i it's it's never um it's never a destination it's a journey you know the 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 journey to finding oneself is the journey you never find oneself it's like you learn things on, on on that journey so you know, it's, it's about, for me, about saying about this isn't, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? Well, I, think, me, I think it's not like a specific goal and you don't achieve it yeah, exactly. once and then you're done. Like that kind and of And then thing. you're done. Yeah, exactly. There's no sort of end point. It's the journey. And I think for me, realizing that the journey is part of that is, is, is that was like, oh, well, okay, then. then I need to enjoy every day. I need to enjoy the now. I need to stop looking forward to the future. This perceived idea of a Hollywood future or a, you know, a happy mm-hmm. ending. I need to enjoy now. I can't wait until whatever it is that, you know, f- for my goal, you know, I'm, am I going to be a millionaire and live in a house with a pool? Like, that's what I want. That's the dream. I can be, I can be the Joni Mitchell and Kate Bush of drag. I can have it all, but fuck off and do my own artistic work. That's what I want. That's the dream. But the reality is the journey and that's life. And you've got to enjoy that because otherwise it's, it's suffocating. Uh, with that as well, getting trapped in the past, past hurts or past uh, anxieties, which of course mm-hmm. uh, have been inflamed over the the last year, because a lot of people I've spoken to uh, privately and on the show, it, mental health issues that we all deal with have been inflamed and exposed again because of yeah. the isolation and stuff. Uh, have you found that to be true for yourself? Oh my god, two hundred percent! Like, two, it's so like I'm so glad you asked that question because I spend so much time dressed up as a goddamn happy, like yellow positivity bean. And inside I take it all off. Then I go cry in the bathroom. Like lockdown has been the, one of the hardest, most challenging things I've ever, that anyone has ever had to do. And now I've, during this process, I've gone away, filmed a TV show. It has aired and I am still in goddamn lockdown. So, you know, going back to that thing of like the journey, oh, I've done it. I've made it. Oh, great. So I've been on a television show. I'm sat at home. I'm still not making any money. I'm still like, you know, well, I'm doing much better than I have been, but still not these things that I thought would come with, with putting yourself out there and in that position. And I'm sat at home here in lockdown being like, you know, the, the same day the final airs, I'm, I'm going, I'm doing a big shop. I'm going to the supermarket doing <laughs> yeah. a big shop. Right. So, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm cleaning the toilets. I bought the thing that I did is I, I went round on the front and I bought new toilet clips and blue loos to put so I could clean me toilet. And that was a know, big celebration about that. Yeah, that <laughs> no, we love to talk. We t- started with toilet talk and now we're we're continuing the theme. But I think that's a really clean. I use it a lot. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like they say about shoes or your bed. Don't cheap out on them because you're going to spend your, you spend your time either in your shoes or in the bed, right? Yeah. 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 It's but, the same with the sofa as well. I would say that for lockdown is that I've really been like, well, if this is my life, okay, well, <laughs> I could whinge. I could whinge. I could, you know, I've, you know, I could see all the things that I didn't get. You know, I didn't get those those live shows, those opportunities to meet the fans, those opportunities to also flog some merch and pay yeah. off my own draft. You know, I didn't get that. But what am I getting and what comfort can I take from the day-to-day basis? So I'm like, right, well, I've moved my sofa around so it's in a more comfortable position because, you know what, I'm going to be watching more telly. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's one of those things of like, and then now I sit down and go, well, that's, that's a positive, isn't it? So yeah. instead of thinking about the things I, I'm not doing, I haven't got, I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, comfy shoes i've got my crocs i've got a, a bed it's too small i need a bigger bed and now you know comfortable sofa i'm trying to take that back and reclaim as a way of coping with those with that with that depressive behavior coming back and that anxiety mm-hmm. coming back and you know waking up at 11 o'clock and thinking i don't want to get out of bed i don't want to do anything today but i've got to think well what can i do what can i achieve you know some days the highlight of my day is filling up the compost bin and taking it around the front. And I think, well, that's at least something, you know, it's, it's better than sitting in bed going like, Oh God, I can't. But that being said, I will also say the lockdown has given us the ripe opportunity to wallow, to cry, to Mm -hmm. sit and get fat, watch television and to do that. So enjoy that as well. Like, it's like, um, I know this is a really bad thing for a depressive person to say to anybody with depression, but like sometimes it's just, it is a bit nice just to wallow in your own self-pity because you will get over it. You mm. will have better days. But today, do you know what? You're going to watch sofa. You're going to watch something. You're going to sit on the sofa. You're going to watch telly. Or maybe watch the sofa. I mean, it might be that yeah. kind of bad day. Well, we've all been there. I mean, Certainly. Come on. I've watched a full wash. I've watched a full washing cycle of a washing machine out of boredom <laughs> so Kate Bush wrote a song about it so I thought there must be something in this for me and I'm there, almost got a migraine it was terrible <laughs> which song was it that she wrote about the uh the washing oh was it um Mrs Bertolozzi okay so you're uh you you know her work from uh top to tail I'm fairly familiar with most of it but not the whole thing so oh well that's from the album Ariel <clears throat> so oh, it's okay. um, I don't know that album that well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's part of the later works. I think that came, that was a huge gap after the Red Shoes. Yeah, um, and then she came out with Ariel, and then and then there was a Greatest Hits redo, and then there was Fifty Words for Snow, or that vice versa. I'm not I'm no expert, but I mean I'm a huge fan. But I wouldn't well, say huge I'm an expert. Fan. That's all you need to yeah. be. You know, th- th- being an expert. <laughs> you know, it's uh it's just about the passion, and you're clearly yeah. uh, quite a passionate Kate Bush fan. I saw you do a Kate Bush number when I, I saw you at the Battle of uh, the British. I think it was called after DragCon UK. Oh, don't scare me like this because <laughs> like I hate it because you know obviously now I'm this new beautiful public. Everyone loves me, so people think of geeks from the past and know that I'm actually a true pig in a wig and a gobby bitch. <laughs> You know, you've seen me in my true light. And that particular show, I remember being absolutely smashed because I was like, do you know what? I, d- I just, I hadn't heard about getting on Drag Race. I was just like, whatever, I'm going to have a drink. And I remember singing that song, being so pissed. I went off stage and came back on to try and sing it again when they were <laughs> like, no, Ginny, you've already done it. You've already done it. And I was like, what? What? 
<laughs> anyway, but what did you think of my rather drunken version cover of Running Up That Hill, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Well, I love it. And by the way, I happen to have some video of it if you'd ever like a memento. Uh, Burn it. Burn no it. problem. No problem. At your request, <laughs> I shall. I shall. Uh, you get loads of followers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll put it up. There you go. We're gonna. If as long as you're okay with it, I'll post it. But uh, otherwise, oh, I can you burn post it. it mate. I'm sure it's harrowing. Post it away. I did it. You know, <laughs> I can't blame the editor. I did it. Oh, I was quite entertained. was able to see you and Joe Black and I loved it and I loved Victoria's Secret and Danny Beard hosting and yeah. uh, seeing some queens I've seen you know in the states like Meatball and Adore and, and a few other folks and it was really great and also the vibe of it was great um, and Victoria said something lovely to me from the stage so and I was thrilled and actually it's funny because I wanted to reach out to you and Joe right after that but then of course the world kind of ended so I didn't you know yeah, exactly. yeah yeah and then, then the world definitely ended it was, yeah it was terrible. It, Eight months later, you're like, what was I going to do? Was I? I actually just got in touch with Victoria, and we're going to do something next month, which is nice. Oh, that would be glorious. She's a good who and a fantastic host, really very professional. Oh, the hosting was uh, next level fabulous. And yeah. it was good, too, because I was so sort of consumed with doing the stuff at DragCon that I was doing that, uh, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to the thing. And then, like, it comes evening time. You have that moment, too, that it, there was that hour where after DragCon ended, before the show, I just laid down, I was, you know, and you're like, I can't go anywhere. How could I? I'm well, being irresponsible. I didn't go to DragCon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go because I, I didn't have a stool because I wasn't, you know, I hadn't been on Drag Race yet. So I wasn't, didn't have anything to flog. And I thought, well, you know, it's just loads of people, isn't it? And loads of people gives me the touch of the old pulses. So loads I of thought, people oh, who were in very uh, close quarters because the ooh. sort of the walking area was not exactly conducive to that many people. There would be like booths on either side of the upstairs. It was very congested and a little it gave me a little bit of that, too, when I was a couple of times walking through the, the packed, packed crowd. Well, I was but, meant to meet Juno there and I said to her, she texted me and she was like, don't come, don't come. You won't like it. She was like, don't come. And it was just like, she couldn't move. Like she tried to go to the toilet or something. I don't think she even had a stool. I think she went there to say hello to a few friends who were doing um, uh, the Drag SOS um, stool. Okay. Uh, gorgeous and, and people like that. Um, so I think she went to say hello. She was just inundated. And I was like, do you know how to do Because she was trying to get to the show as well afterwards. Mm. She'd been there and then get to the show. But I was, I, I was quite lucky. I just went for dinner and then <laughs> came to the show. <laughs> perfect. That was the perfect setup for you yeah yeah well then next time of course it'll be exciting because now we know i feel like we know that we're pretty close to the end of the whole thing this whole nightmare oh. and then, then, then oh, it, either that or we're all gonna die but either way <laughs> I, I can't wait for the you know e either option either either we all die or <laughs> just like survives and we carry on i mean a decision either way would be fabulous yeah exactly just let us know folks just let us know yeah <laughs> and you said you mentioned earlier about the the big uh, mental breakdown. About how many years ago was that? And um, um it was around <clears throat> 2016, and it was started because um four days after my birthday, um I was on my way to work, and I got a phone call from my dad to say that 
Well, he said, Emma has died. And I, and I went, who's Emma? And, and he went, your sister. And then from that moment onwards, my whole world changed, I think. It was just, wow. it, I kind of went into this, it was very strange because I was on a train going to work. And so I was at my, where I live in Worcester. And then the next stop is Droitwich, which is my hometown where my parents live. <clears throat> and then on the way to Birmingham to work. And I, I got the phone call as I was pulling into Droitwich. So as soon as you'd said, and, and it was your sister, I jumped off the train as the doors were shutting. So it was that frantic moment of like fight or flight, really. So I was able to jump off. Otherwise, I would have been trapped, you know, and I think all yeah. part of it kind of went on that train and carried on and <laughs> did that. And then, you know, it was a very, so it kind of put my world into a tailspin and a few I think it was, I'm not very good with maths, but about five years before that, my brother had died as well. So it was two shock deaths of, of my siblings that really kind of put me in a tailspin. And then shortly after my sister died, my auntie died, who was also her arch enemy. So the, the, the dark humour was not lost on me. The fact that they could you know, both be in hell together, I thought was fabulous. <laughs> um so yeah, that that that's what started everything, and that's what started Ginny. Really, I was working in an office. I was, I was, you know, trying to save for a mortgage, and then I had to stop because I I said to myself, Ginny, it was either drag or suicide, and I think I made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have to buy more wigs with this line well, of work. Oh, yeah. don't I? Don't I? Just this is ridiculous, and you can see my hairline, which is very unprofessional, but. <laughs> I don't give a shit, to be honest. I mean, it's just it's just synthetic bollocks on my head. I'm sure it's terrible for the environment. Oh, wait, that's a wig? Oh, hold on a second. I didn't know. <laughs> you know, I thought I'd throw something on as I was considerably late for this meeting. <laughs> but that's always that, that's always a fun thing, too, because it, it, there's always a it's a, a unique start to the show or whatever. So it's that's fun. But uh, first off, let me just say my condolences about that. I didn't realize. And uh, my, um, uh, I'm sorry for all that oh, uh you didn't and, kill her, did you? what's that oh you didn't kill her did you are you admitting to the murder no what? you're right you're right i you're right <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, i've, it's, I've only me, been to the I'm, uk twice and it was in the last two years and it, my passport will prove that so no that's fine that's fine yeah yeah exactly it's right you're cleared tick <laughs> well, well thank you i mean it's it's it, grief is a very strange and complex thing um, and especially queef, as I like to call it, which is queer grief. And I ah. think grieving as a queer person is so much different, I found in my experience, um, because, you, you know, I, my sister will never know me as my true self, as my out and proud artist, non-binary self. They will never know me as that. So it's very difficult to mourn the relationship that you could have had with them as the happier person you are now as opposed to a fractious person you were years previous you know yeah so, but through all of that I was able to channel my energy into creating this hot mess Ginny Lemon uh fancy a slice fancy a slice interest um you know that's what I was able to do I was able to channel all that energy and create something and that's what my message is now for people is to to get that energy out there and create it you know my my sister was never, you know, she wasn't an angel by any stretch of the of the of the words. By God, she wasn't. And the one thing that I despise is when people die. It's like, oh, she's up in heaven. She's she's doing all this. Oh, she was such a lovely. And I was like, this is bullshit. I was like, my sister was a big fat bitch, and I love her for being a big fat bitch. 
So I'm going to celebrate that sort of nature of her and kind of take that fire and channel that into art really as a celebration of, of, of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I try to, when I get there, when I can have the conversation or not being too much of a dickhead is get that message across to say, channel that energy. You do you like do it, just do it. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's one of the things that especially queer people struggle with. And as you mentioned before, kind of being a depressive person, w- was growing up not terrific in in a general sense? Well, I had a very, <clears throat> I'd, I'd, it's a difficult one to answer, really, because, you know. Because it was the, maybe, maybe poorly phrased question. That could be. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, of course not. It's difficult to answer because, I mean, yeah, I didn't have a, a good childhood. I didn't have a nice time. Um, I. I grew up in a very working class family. It was very sort of, you know, there was a lot of crime. There was a lot of, it wasn't good. It wasn't an environment a child should be in basically. Mm-hmm. And, but now as an adult, I look back and I reflect and think about those people as individuals. And I look at my parents thinking about, well, where society has placed my parents, what um, politics, you know, what what it is actually to be a, in a working class family, what that means. Like I'm already born into a life where I'm put lower in a rank right. <laughs> already, you know, yeah. before I come out as gay or queer or as non-binary or as pansexual, before all of that happens, yeah. I'm already lower in a subsection of people. So I can really take a step back and learn from my my misery really and go, well, it isn't, it isn't anyone's fault. I don't blame anyone, you know, I, in a sense that, yeah, it was terrible, but I can't hold on to that anymore because I don't want to keep contributing to this terrible system. I want to break through it and shine light in as best I can, you know, as best as as a normal normal human who's just having a poo and going to the shop as an artist. Well, I want to get out there and, and kind of fight almost, I think, yeah. as a way of not lamenting over that, that childhood, as a way of saying, do you know what? Yeah, it was a bit shit, but I'm having fun now. I'm happy now. I talk to my parents now and I have a great relationship with my siblings now. This is great. Like I'm focusing that. And then the troubles of the past, I go, well, how can we not make those mistakes again? What can I do? Right. That's the key. And also, you know, because we have some things from our youth, if like it was kind of stormy at home uh, at my place and, you know, school was horrible. So uh, Refuge was founded music, film, as I'm sure mm-hmm. with you. And as all, I, all queer people. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> right, you? right, exactly. School is the queer icons. Yeah, exa- no, exactly right. And part of the reason I think that we um, love them so intensely and have such a passion for the work and everything is is because of that. But then later, as you said, you, you can look back at your parents' lives, wh- where they came from, what situations did they get plunked into, and it helps you to understand things. And of course, another great thing is that they get older too, and if there was some hardness to one of them or you know maybe some, some less than ideal qualities, those tend to soften mm-hmm. over time, and they can overcome their obstacles, which were put there, again, by the circumstances that they found themselves in. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the Grand Canyon. You know, yeah, that used to be on the surface, oh, and then okay. through thousands of years, the Grand Canyon, the water that has has eroded the rocks to go, you know, miles deep in the earth. So things, rocks, can soften. 
is what yeah. I'm trying to say. You know, <laughs> a strange analogy, but I've watched watching. No, it's fun. a great one. I was just I was just thrown. I was like, I didn't. Uh, you know more about the uh, history of the states than I do, which is. Uh... Well, that's lockdown for you. With enough television, <laughs> you can be an absolute expert on anything. Honestly, you pick these things up. It's all the the. Um, God, I always get confused. Is it Richard or David Attenborough? One of the Attenboroughs. Oh, I, right. Richard, what did David do? I, that's, I guess, a story. One of them was in Jurassic Park. One of them talks about Jurassic things. Right. I think it's Richard who talks, and then David is the actor. I think. Is it the other way around, though? Let's, uh, I'll look, let's look it up. I'll look it up. And... Google it. I'll Google. Let's Google it backwards. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Well, just like Lewis spelt backwards, right? Which is... Uh, Oh my gonna... <laughs> god! Oh my god! Security. <laughs> See, god. I told you, I waited till like a little while, not not halfway, to to reveal the asshole thing, and then you're gonna. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Mm, what a hairy asshole it is! <laughs> I think it's David Attenborough. Let's see, David. Oh. You're right. I was incorrect. Sir David Frederick Attenborough is an English broadcaster and natural historian, best known for writing and presenting in conjunction with the BBC Natural History Unit, the nine history, the uh, the nine natural history documentary series forming the Life Collection. Yes, that's, that's right. It, that's it. So, like the Grand Canyon, the river used to be on the surface, but through thousands of years, it's worn down and softened to the canyons that you know and love today. So that could be a very good analogy. It is. And their parents, you know. No, it really <laughs> is. And softer, not, they don't always, you know, some rivers are on the surface, but some can, you know, if it's yeah. sandstone, it can wear you down and, and, and you'll be all right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when you had the the mental breakdown and you started to think about drag, what what were some of the first steps you took to sort of get yourself out of the funk? You know, I've, uh, for a long time, I used to work in uh, vintage clothes. So I've had a, a massive passion for vintage clothes. Ever since being a child, I was always in the chassis shops, charity shops, always there, you know, rifling through. So I had this huge collection of vintage clothes. Um, So I wanted to kind of, wear them basically and wear them in a in a way that was kind of character based i suppose so it initially started from that so it was initially i was like well i've got this fabulous wardrobe i'm going to wear them and i'm going to go out and get pissed so you know i'm going to put this face on so originally i wanted to look like joan crawford you know the oh sure yeah i look more like joan crawford when christina started to punch back i think (laughs) you know (laughs) um so <laughs> that was my original intention. But also I wanted to pay a nod and an O to certain things. So there was lots of things that went into the look. So I went out there um, and just started getting pissed and doing little shows, really. I was I kind of investigated. A few friends of mine were, were into drag. Um, and obviously I was completely aware of what drag is. I'm a huge Divine fan and Lily Savage fan. Um, and, you know, so I was very inspired to go out and do that. And then very early on people were like oh well why don't you enter this competition and I was like well all right then I'll do that why don't you 
Um, and while I was doing this, I was also pestered by the producers of um, X Factor. So I was like, why don't you do this? <clears throat> and I was like, well, you know, I, I always said to myself, I'd never do reality TV because I knew that then was the moment I would sell out. Um, but luckily, <laughs> Lewis never did. Ginny did. So <laughs> That's, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I can kind of get away with that one. Um, and it kind of kind of got out of control from there, really. I was really I was just grieving and trying to escape that. And then through that, I've kind of landed in a career, which I've then tried to cultivate. And I think, well, I was at that point a year or so ago and I thought, well, Drag Race, I might as well apply for that. Because if you wanted to be the best in the business, people telling me they enjoyed it. So I did that. And, you know, I still feel like an imposter in, in, in every sense of the word of like, I'm just, I'm just like um, a lost artist, really trying to. <laughs> Who happens to be working in, in drag. I'm thinking of in Hedvig when, when she's in the oven recounting the uh, laying, sleeping in the oven. She's recounting about the pop stars. It's a David Bowie who was actually an idiom working yeah. in America and Canada. Uh, but it's an interesting thing, the imposter syndrome, because I think the rule with that is that if you do have that sensation or feeling, it often indicates that you are the real deal. It's the people who just blithely move through situations with never, it would nary one of those thoughts in their mind that probably maybe they're the imposter. Well, I, I, I try not to think too much about what other drag queens would be thinking, to be honest, because I've met a lot of drag queens, too many. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just... <clears throat> I get it. I respect it. And, and I love it. I just, I'd like to meet a dragon where I can have a conversation about a book or a film. Not not saying all, but I don't know the situations aren't like this, but that's, that's the thing that I want to talk about. You know, I'm really interested. This, all this bollocks is to me just bollocks. You know, it's a way of like having fun. And now I've landed myself in a situation where I could possibly earn a bit of money, which would be great because, you know, four years ago I left my real job because I had a mental breakdown. So I've got to like pay off me life debts now. <laughs> yeah. And what were you doing at the job that you left? Oh, I was working, um, in, I was in HR. <laughs> oh, the secret police of any company. <laughs> but but HR, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, you know, in HR, that's always a pretty plum gig. So to leave that and be adjusting to another situation and also coping with the depressive phases and everything was yeah. But if I'd, if I'd stayed in that job, I would have I would have died. There was oh no, no certainly. But I, but it's more uh, what I meant to say is uh, even though it had to be done, the actual process of getting used to it must have been quite a thing. Oh my! I mean, I had to switch from like getting up in the morning, having a coffee, you know, brushing my teeth, doing that, to like doing a gig at midnight and not seeing my husband and traveling all across God knows where it went. It was, it's been a, it's been a huge lifestyle change. That's why I kind of, it's the, I have this love hate relationship with lockdown because it's a great time to spend time with the people that you love, spend time at home, but also like, Oh my God, I'm sick of this goddamn place. And Oh my God, if you say one more thing, I'm going to, you know, so it, it's this complete flip and lifestyle change, which I don't, which I do, you know, I just do. I just do it because I think that there might be a means to an end. So sure. it's that like, I think it's always goes back to being that working class kid inside me. I'm just working until I have a house or until I'm not in debt, until I have a bit of money. You know, it's that insecurity of just, 
of falling back to that situation. I think that I'll, I'll always have that drive, that need to have a foundation, I suppose, which I never had. Sure. No, I know what you mean. And also, there, there are certain things about the economic situation that you come from that will forever kind of drive some things. And also, sometimes it can it can uh, be difficult to keep a, the right perspective on it because sometimes you feel like you have less than you actually do, and then managing yeah. it when it's there, it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 another another stick to beat myself with at night. You know, it's it's like all oh, right, okay, no, no, and then it's like I go to sleep, and then it's like all the anxiety comes. They go, away. <laughs> you know, they come out, and it's another stick to beat myself with. It's one of those things. Yeah. But then again, <clears throat> by doing this, I get to have fun, meet people, and earn a bit of money, which is great. Yeah, which is really really great, and I really really enjoy that. Um, it's just been such a, a whirlwind. Oh, sure. Uh, last four years from just grieving to this. Right. To celebrating, sort of, because with lockdown, there's that strange removal of the reward for either the work or the, let's say, being on the show, right? Uh, oh. the, you, you're not going to a show. You're going to get the stuff for the toilet. Tia Coffee was telling me about um, trying to say hello to the manager of the place in Clapham that she was a regular at and he lived across the way the only way they could really communicate was by calling and waving from across the street right next to the Clapham venue right and then someone recognized her and they had a lovely exchange and it was like the only glimmer of that the the, you know sort of the reward of it and even that was then wrapped up in the fear of like well we can't touch each other how are we going to do a selfie so it just and then that's doubly frustrating anytime you're doing all this stuff and then you don't have the reward it kind of compounds the um frustration i think oh 200 percent. because i think if i was able to be out there and to and to talk to people you know this is my the only people i talk to now are like a few friends and this void in the internet so (laughs) that's right to go out and to meet people and perform. That's what I love doing the most. That was the thing that made me live and survive was going out there performing and and meeting people and all these amazing, fabulous people that I have met over my time. Like it's so enriching to me. I it's it's so sad I can't have that. And it's For so now, sad. But you will though, and that's For now, but we will. We yeah. will. We will. And but that's the the constant lament of lockdown, isn't it? When I, I always think that every conversation recorded in this time is not a true reflection of oneself because we are stuck in this lockdown loop and everything's yeah. been affected and we're all in it. You know, I yeah. I don't watch television. I don't read newspapers. I don't listen to the radio. I've never listened to the radio. I, I'm very much, you know, all of these things. And now I'm kind of in this platform and I think, well, I have to check the news or... You know, I'm watching a bit more telly because of lockdown. So I'm watching a few things that people may have watched. I haven't watched telly since they cancelled Bad Girls. You know, I read, I, I I talk to people, I listen to music. That's what I love doing the most. So it's like a completely alien, alien world, this, this, this lockdown. So I don't really think that when we have these conversations, it's a true reflection because we've been stuck for a year in this bizarre, all of us, the whole right. world, how... It's kind of nice that we're all going through it, right? It's not just we're not alone, I suppose, that we're all in this. It, it is, and it's uh, a strange comfort sometimes. And then uh, it helps me to remember that I'm not 
somehow failing life because I'm not, do you know what I mean? Because you can start yes. thinking that everyone else seems to be getting over it or everyone else is adjusted properly. No, no, everyone is having good days and bad days, but it's a rapid cycle between the two. Yeah. And everyone, I mean, everyone, you know, that's why it's been nice to speak so candidly and, and open now because in conversations, I'm trying to be like, yeah, it's, it's all amazing. And it is all amazing. It is all amazing. But also I don't want to lie. I don't yeah. want to say to you, I'm fucking having a great time. No, I'm not. Like it's, it's pretty shit. It's fucking lockdown and it's shit. I'm in the same boat as everyone else. You know, it, there's no, like, I suppose this is quite nice as a working class person. Cause we're all kind of of the same class. Now we're all kind of a little bit fucked one way or another at the moment, but it will get better. It will. It will and for everyone. And then I also think uh, that we're going to be entering into a newer, more queer, in general, more liberal atmosphere in the world. Uh, I don't know if it's just because all of us have been going through something terrible and generally the response to that will be a little lighter, but that's my feeling anyway. I think uh, it'll be the hair. I think everyone has had <laughs> lockdown haircuts. Everyone has dyed their hair. Everyone has gone mad. Everyone looks crazy. And obviously we all know that queer people have the great, the best hair in the world. So maybe if people are kind of embracing that, we walk out now and we've all got amazing hair. Maybe that's what unites us, you know, right. or, you know, or a cool baldy head, you know, stick some glitter on it. Lovely. You know, well, my, mine is an unusual uh, sort of length and everything, but I'm, I'm going with it. I like it. Sometimes I do it up, but then it, it kind of goes into a mullet thing, but I'm having fun every day uh, with it because I also know. Yeah. Love a mullet. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was kicking out pretty strong. But then, uh, but so I'm enjoying the different looks. But uh, also, uh, one of the things about lo lockdown, like you said, has been very difficult doing sort of what I do, because at the beginning of it, it was like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? And obviously, mm. there was only one thing to talk about. I mean, we've been talking about it now, but in a different way, like we're talking about it mixed in with other things and yeah. with po hopefulness but like april last year like what what in the fuck every show i like the howard stern show andy cohen show every show i was like i can't take any of this and now i do like certain radio shows and certain tv shows but mostly old ones so i dove right into i watched the entire cagney and Lacey. uh Sick. the best right just recently i've discovered 70s italian crime pictures i didn't know how oh, violent um. <laughs> so good fabio testi anyone out there looking for a screen hunk of the 70s fabio testi will will uh, delight you <laughs> but what about what about films that you you loved either the some of the first ones you remember loving or some <clears throat> favorites in general well i i love films i really i love the magic of of cinema i i love it that that's why it's quite hard for me sometimes with HD because I'm like, oh God, I don't want to see that. I want to see a bit of a fuzz. But I love, <clears throat> I think my favourite genre of film is um, hack horror. It's just got to be my absolute favourite. So I'm talking about, um, I mean, the classic is obviously Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Sure. Um, but I love all the old, um, I'm trying to think now of the name, Straight Jacket with Joan Crawford. Um, but I also love, there's something about watching that Hollywood's, um, starlets in, in the older age and how they were treated in cinema. So you watch films like The Driver's Seat with Elizabeth Taylor or Boom right. with Elizabeth Taylor. And I think, oh my God, these films are incredible. Like they are just so led by these powerful women. And that's obviously, <laughs> what a cl queer cliche. I just love powerful <laughs> women. Fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, it's true. I don't Break, give a breaking shit. news. Queer artist loves uh, film with strong women. <laughs> Tonight at nine. <laughs> 
So that's front page news on the Metro over here. Uh, um, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So those are my, like, and I, um, Mommy Dearest is probably my favorite film of all time, purely because of like, I've watched it more than any other film I think ever. And the layers upon layers that it gives is, is so incredible. And there's been two films recently, actually, that I think have been worth. So there was Ma and there was Greta. And those are the two films I think can enter that grand goneo of, of, of fag hag, um, not fag hag, hag horror films. I think they're amazing. Uh, but the Ma character and all of that around it is just incredible, like really, really incredible. And I think that there is something about um, a, a woman over, over 50s who were put into these horror roles. I just absolutely adore i just adore them and, and there's a there's a film with betty davis called the anniversary i don't know whether you've seen that no i haven't you need to pop it on your list babs I it will. is incredible all the the later betty davis and the le- later joan crawford and elizabeth taylor films that that those are my go-to absolutely i love those i have to rewatch driver's seat i haven't seen it in ages it, that's the one warhol's in right i think he pops in for like a minute or something like that but it has that great scene where she's putting I the makeup on and yeah, she's, oh, yeah, with the with the eyeliner and the, the the dress that stains. It's it's oh my god. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible, and it's based on a book by I believe Muriel Spark. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, we could look it up too, but I think let's go with that one. Yeah, Google it. Google it. Yeah, uh, I believe it's Muriel Spark again, a, fa- a fabulous writer, and um, it's an amazing story. So to see it with with Elizabeth Taylor, and it. it's just it's a it's a gem. It's a lost gem. You know what one? I have it, and I haven't seen it in ages. Secret Ceremony with Liz Taylor and Mia Farrow. Make that noise. <laughs> Make that noise. Oh, my God. That film fucked me up. I will say, I think the best the best bit in that is the way that Liz Taylor eats the sausage at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they come back, it's when, when they come back from the funeral, right? Yeah, I think, yeah this whole like juxta funeral thing going on and then she comes out and then she eats this um um what's the uh mia farrow who's called something like beardy or birdie in it and uh eats the sausage and oh my god elizabeth taylor eating a sausage in that it's amazing it's a great film i've been watching also a lot of uh my big soothe movies lately anything from the 80s that has hookers and probably drug dealers and a synthesizer score uh, I like as soon as I hear the opening theme, I'm like, ah, oh, thank God, this is Have fabulous. You seen personal services. No, 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 no. So it's basically it's a very British film, very very British film. So it's about um, uh, kind of based on a true story about a a madam who runs a brothel and gets quite successful, and it's all quite. But it's very, you know, she gets the gimps to do the gardening. Very British. <laughs> um, but it's a fabulous, sleazy sort of hookery film with some great character acting. I remember that. I remember the VHS sleeve now, and so that's. I'm gonna have to put that on my. It will be on some sure. of those lists. You know, when you look for like, what other films would you recommend with those? It'll be on one of those. Those personal services is amazing. Sometimes I feel like I'm being uh, insulted and attacked by my prime suggestions when I. They're like, "Oh, we think that you'd bullshit. like this because." <laughs> You, you're a cretin. Here, this is the kind of shit you want to watch. Yeah, do you know what? Netflix has done the same to me. Always suggesting Drag Race. I'm like, as if I want to watch Blood <laughs> Drag Race. I can't believe it. How very dare you. How now, dare you. <laughs> um, now, of course, you had a very unique experience on Drag Race. And when you said that you sold out, or Ginny sold out, 
I would say that many uh, would argue the opposite because you did what you felt, right? And you didn't want to do the lip sync against sister. So you, you left and you left in your own way on your own terms. Well, it depends what day you get me on as to what answer I answer to this one, really. So <laughs> <laughs> many alternative endings. But yeah, I think, you know, I don't, Oh God, it's a tricky one. You see the arsehole is coming out now. Isn't it? <laughs> no, there you on. go. There you go. You're going to have to sage the computer. Oh, what's that? Um, yeah. What I really wanted to do was make iconic television. And that's what I wanted to do the whole time, regardless of like drag race and how that works internally or externally and how it's perceived. I just wanted to make good television and that was what I'd set myself a goal to the whole time. And in that particular situation, I could see in every one of those girls' eyes how much they wanted it, how much they wanted to have this title. And I thought, I'm here for the exposure. I'm here to up my booking fee. I'm here to like make great telly. That's what I'm here for. But these girls wanted to win that competition and get that approval from those people. Me as a person, as an artist, I can, I would not, I refuse to stand in anyone's way because that for me would be alternative to my goal. If I was to go on on any further, then I would be outdoing someone who really wants to be there, who really wants this. I was like, you know, it would have been a different story if I'd have gone and at the time, if I'd have done really well, I've got a few wins, then maybe I would have just turned into a bit more of a see you next Tuesday and thought, well, you know, fuck it, I'll just do it. Um but, you know, I had a very good sense of clarity within myself. You know, my chakras were aligned. My spirit animal was talking to me, mm -hmm. the wood pigeon, who does exist. Um, only now in our memories. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just felt like I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it, you know. And it wasn't really, it was for me. Like, people say, oh, you wasted that or... You know, there was thousands of girls that were in the opportunity. And I was like, yeah, but but you didn't though, did you, darlings? It was me. So shut up and apply next year. Like I did what I wanted with my opportunity. And I'm, I'm a bit like, and if people don't like that, well, piss off. You can follow another queen. I ain't bothered. Like I've had my slice and that's all I wanted was a little slice. You just fancy a slice. That's all. I did. And I just wanted a little slice of that action. Yeah. And, you know, I have total respect for it, for what it is that they do. There over and I love that and I think it's great and I wouldn't be able to be chatting to you and gobbing off like this if it wasn't for that show so why would I be just like it off some days I can get upset about internal politics or whatever but at the end of the day it's just fucking drag like look at me like you can't take this too seriously so you know my exit was really something that I I'm glad I did you know yeah. at the time I was like but bearing in mind, I walked off and then Corona happened. So, like, I'm not saying that I started it in the viral sensation, but maybe <laughs> it could have been a warning. Who knows? <laughs> so, you know, then that happened. So that I literally walk off and the next day the UK goes into lockdown. Right. So I'm like, I walk off, you know, see you later, and then I'm like, oh, better get me toilet roll, better get me baked beans, get get, better start building a hut underground. Fuck knows what happens. Yeah. Because I wasn't bothered about all of that corona malarkey when I was in drag race. Was I was I was knackered. I couldn't, I wasn't well, watching sure. or reading the news. I didn't do any of that. So I wasn't talking to anyone. You're not allowed. So 
you know, it's been like it was a lot of news at once to get all at one time, right? Like yeah, when you, now, you walk off and then now I'm here. I'm glad I did. I'm so happy I did it. So I feel back where I was then to be like, well, in fact, I said to somebody, I shouldn't tell you this, I said to somebody backstage, they said, um, because when I walked off, they 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 tried to film everything as well, but they didn't have any of the tape. So somebody got a slap on the wrist. Um, so I carried on doing the lip sync, but the one of the queen handlers came over to me. And she's like, Ginny, what are you doing? And apparently I just went, I'm making telly, darling. <laughs> she recounted that story to me when I got back to finish filming. And then I was just like, I was delighted. I was like, oh God, I've been worried because of lockdown, not worried because of drag race. You know, I was, I'm quite yeah. happy with my I'm just charging me pause. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Do you need to take a minute or anything? to? <laughs> That's right. There's a different uh, different electrical system over in the UK. I forget about that. You got to put it right in. You got to put it right up your asshole if you want to <laughs> the Wi-Fi. That's what you got to do. Yeah, it's all different round here. We try- do you know what? I used- the, the best thing about British people is that we are taught that everyone in the world drives on the wrong side of the road. Hmm. And then I'll get to my age. I go. We are the only fuckers that drive on that side of the road. We <laughs> well, no, the- Australia, Australia as well. Yeah, but it's up there, and it's they're allowed. Yeah, and they're they you know they're confused people. I mean that's no, they're not. They're the best people. Uh, the I know, I'm kidding. I love I love Australians. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But you know what I mean? Like that's classic British sort of thing. Everyone. This is what we're told. Everyone is weird, and that oh. we're doing it right. And then you learn. You grow up, and then you're like, oh god, oh my god. I, I, there's another funny thing with certain British or Australian cuisines. I've discovered that British or Australian people will get incensed that that thing is not the same over here and that it's wrong. And I'll say, no, 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 it's just different. It's just, they don't call it that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it'll be wrong. (laughs) It's just wrong. (laughs) It's just wrong. Oh, yeah, it's that complete and utter, like, no, no, we do it wrong. I don't know where we get that from. Like, I really, I'm like, have you been to the UK recently? Like, I know it's good for the tour. You have a look look around at the sites and whatever, but you go to a normal town, it's just like, babes, come on. Come on. I do love the UK, though. I'm looking forward to going back there. I've spent quite a bit of time wow, there. It's, it's got its charm, though, ain't it? I can, but that's the thing, I can slag it off, but it has got its charm. Well, when you're from a place, you can slag it off. Yeah, you know what I mean? And that's part of the fun, too, really. Like, I'm from Boston, and I mean, I shit on it all the time. Boston, Massachusetts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I live in LA now, but Boston, I'm not that keen on. I don't miss it. <laughs> you live in LA now? Yeah. Yeah, for in, the past. In the, in the, everyone lives in LA though, over there, don't they? Really, that's true. And uh, as the song says, "There ain't nobody straight in LA." It's a great song by I can't remember the band now, but I'll have to send it to you. A friend of mine yeah, turned me on to that recently. Me up, baby, I will. Now back to back to music. Since we're talking music, mm-hmm. uh, when do you remember the first time you sort of noticed Kate Bush? Yeah, I do remember the very first time. I remember my sister Emma, the one the one that passed away. She was the one that introduced me to all the sort of music that I like. Um, and I remember her, got, she had the CD of A Kick Inside, the first album with Wuthering Heights in it, and she went straight to Wuthering Heights and she played it really loud. And I was like, this is the most horrendous thing I've ever heard in my life. I screamed and I ran up and I ran, because she lived down the street, so I ran home, screamed and ran home. And then that was my first ever reaction. And then I went back and then put the same album on, but played the first track. Mm-hmm. And it starts with with the the whale sounds, yeah. 
And then I was just totally mesmerized by from that moment on. And then I skipped. And I remember a friend of hers, she, she was having a, a party and she put the sensual world on. Um, was it the sensual world? Yeah, it was the sensual world. Um, and so I remember listening to all of that album. So I remember listening. I've always been, I love albums. I love the concept of albums. I love Same. album tracks. I love I love to be not to be picking just songs. I love hits. I love, you know, one-off hits. But an album for me is just like gold. When you find a good album, you're sold then. So, and when I realized that, Kate was one of these artists that really writes an album and conceptually. Um, then, I, then I was kind of sold, really. But I'd, I'd been a fan of Tori Amos before that. I'm a, a mega, I'm like a mega Tori Amos fan. I just say Kate Bush because people know who she is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with, with, with Tori, and then it was one of these things like, oh, if you like Tori, you might like, also like Kate. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, yes, I do. I do. Yes, I love them both. These are great. The obsession started then. Yeah, she is such a remarkable artist, too, because of her age when she started. And she's never not been that. She never had, like, an office job. It was 16 or 17, David Gilmore heard the tapes and was like, okay, I'm going to fund this. Like, you have to do this. This is meant for you. And he was very right. The dream, eh? The dream. I know. know. And also such a uniquely UK artist, because there's something about the UK pop chart and sensibility where uh, a Kate Bush or... I would say even Peter Gabriel, but he made it over here, but not, not with the weirder stuff. Kate, yeah. Babushka, and everyone's like, oh, great, top 10. <laughs> would you say that's weird? No, I mean, uh, compared, no, no, well, well, yeah, the music's a little, I mean, compared to stuff that you would see in the American top 40 around that time. But then again, pop music globally always has that uh, unique ability to have the weirder stuff come in. And I, I mean, weird on paper. Like, if you look at that and you're like, well, so the song's about this and uh, she sings, she shrieks a couple times. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like pitching. Yeah, I just imagine like A&R guys being like, what? I don't know what this is. Well, I think it's good because I think the weirdness comes from really something new. That's when you feel like, oh, it's weird. Then it's new. It's like that almost familiar, but new. And when you hear an artist that sounds, I don't think there has been an artist since really. I mean, there's, that is quite like Kate Bush. I can't think of anyone quite like Kate, really, because it's about when you have that, you know, you, when you when you can't be bunched, when you can't be, have that, that, that's just gold dust, isn't it? That, oh, that. it is. It's like Prince, you know, no one ever, there was no record company guy going, hey, could you maybe do a little more of this or whatever? They're just like, well, this is, you know, a, a, a fully formed uh, genius yeah. that, and then yeah, exactly. and people respond and to that. Like, give them the room which i think is is amazing i'll just wish i had that but where's my record label you know where's my guy saying well come on come on just do this it's all there for you well the guys from pink floyd they're not as interested in newer music these days you know so what are you gonna do but I, you know i i think it's clear that you know you have really made a mark on the hearts and minds of millions of people and i don't think it's that far off from you uh having all the things that you want but maybe it's just been a little bit delayed by the circumstances and everything but you know. Saying things like that scares the shit out of me because obviously <laughs> I have no, really, I have no kind of grasp on what it is that I've done, you know, because my reaction, I can get a feedback from an audience, from people. I'm getting, you know, messages on Instagram and all this sort of stuff. But to me, it's, you know, I'm, I try not to go on that as much. I try not to do that. So to hear stuff like that is very overwhelming. I'm like, God, like, like I said, I'm just kind of an insecure pig in a wig. It was sure. going through a bit of trauma and I've tried to hustle up myself a career in the meantime because I needed to pay me bills. And then 
oh, now I'm meant to be loved? Oh my God, like that's scary. Here, I'm sorry, let me rephrase to, <laughs> for ease of use. Uh, I think you'll be tolerated a lot more easily when you go <laughs> on your next adventure and your next uh, endeavor. How's that? That's Does that work? Proper. Yes, I can deal with that one. Okay, good, good. I'm happy that we found an, uh, agreeable terms. <laughs> About your own music, um, you're working on an album right now, is that right? That is correct. Yeah, I've been very fortunate to um, get Arts Council funding to part uh, to partly fund some of the album, which is luckily, um, I've been applying for Arts Council funding here in the UK for a few years, but never quite succeeded. You have to be that calibre of artist. So I've been very lucky in them kind of drag race and arts council sliding together. So obviously I've used that platform to promote the, the album and the work that I've been doing. And my album Tonic is is exactly what it says it is. It's it's an album that I've written in this lockdown time with my, with my boyfriend, um, Some Little Cakes. So we've kind of formed a band and started writing some music together. Um, so these are kind of a collection of songs that reflect everyday um, annoyances of lockdown, basically. And then what I've chose to do with this album, I've chose to do a do a Kate Bush style and and do an A side and a B side. So we're going to kind of get the gin, which is the dancier side, and then we're going to get the tonic, which is more of the chill side. Um, so I'm very excited <clears throat> to finish the project and to get out there and perform it, really, because I don't think people. You know, I'm not one of these sort of bitches that are going to come out of Drag Race ready and hit you with a bitch track. You know, I've been writing songs for years. I'm just going to give you a little slice of what I'm working on now. I will continue to write songs, you know, as I have pre and post Drag Race. Yeah. And I think some of these songs have been quite influenced by that experience. So it'll be quite interesting um, to to see what the public think, really, and see, and see how everyone reacts and see if anyone likes it and hopefully i can use this new platform to to get the music to reach more people i'm not saying i'm well i was going to say something very enthusiastic but i understand how traumatic that is so i'm going to say i think you might be able to just squeak by and be yeah. able to do just a the, just a little bit i'm just trying to tamper my enthusiasm because i don't want to you know freak you out anymore but no that's that's a wonderful thing about the platform and like you said before yeah getting the exposure from it you know and uh anyone who gets on the show wins really already oh, oh, uh, well not everyone i mean well you know we can't feel magnolia crawford did it whatever happened to her um <laughs> you know but i mean i think it, you with any experience you kind of have to run with it and do the best you possibly can out of the the situation you know that the whole reason I wear yellow and say I have absence is, you know, that kind of culminated out of me doing one X Factor audition. I kind of gave the people what they wanted. So as an artist, you take the work that you've done, you grow with it and it kind of organically. So I'm looking forward to this, this new stage really of how Drag Race has enabled an audience to see behind the mask, I suppose. That's mm -hmm. been the most shocking thing is I kind of just went in and I thought, oh, I'll just be Ginny. Uh, and then I realized that, you know, first day when I'm there with no makeup on, I was like, oh, shit. Um, I was like, oh, this this just got real right now. Like, I didn't think about it before, but it got real the moment I got there. And I thought exposing that, I wasn't very comfortable with obviously showing myself as out of makeup, me, Lewis, hidden behind all this. Um, but I'm, I'm glad I did in a way, and it will affect me now. Um, and we'll... I hopefully feel like I don't have to try as hard and people can kind of hopefully get me a bit more. <laughs> well, I think so. so. Yeah. 
Certainly. And also, it's one of those funny things where when you have a, a depressive streak or anxious things, uh, we don't want to reveal that because we think that somehow we're going to be viewed as less than or it's going to doom us to being considered in a category. And of course, again, back to the economic thing, when you're already viewed in a certain uh, caste, if you will, of society, uh, a lot of that stuff can all be running around together, especially if you're prone to anxiety. Uh, so it's understandable, but you know, you really did make a tremendous impact on people too, talking about, uh, realizing your non-binary and realizing a lot of things about yourself and the chats that you had with, uh, Bimini and sister, I, you know, I inspired a great many people. So hopefully that's something that, uh, well, that, that is the one thing that I can definitely say. I'm so glad happened and I'm so glad was, was, was shown in that way because, I've heard so many people you know, ask me this question and I think, why do they keep coming back to this moment and they want to know about it? And I think, well, at the time I was just one human talking to another human. I didn't really know the impact of, of the conversation. I was just being genuine. And that's, I suppose, maybe what people liked. The one time I wasn't being fake, I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> that's the magic of it though. Like that's, and that's the reason why it's so impactful because you were just a person talking to another person about how you felt and the most personal uh, is oftentimes the most universal. Yeah, and I think that has been shown to me in in abundance with with the outreach of thousands and thousands of messages. And I mean, it breaks my heart. I can't respond to every single one. You know, I've gone from like a small little Instagram follower where I can reply to everyone to like, <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, don't hate me because I want to reply to every single one, but I, I can't. My, my fingers will fall off. Um, and I just think for then in that moment, I realized it wasn't about me and that realizing that other people's reactions and being like, wow, then I could use this for good then. Or maybe I can, but how I do that is just by being myself and speaking my mind and being as honest and genuine as I can, I suppose. And I, I have to remember that and to, and to keep doing that. And that's why I do things like this and, you know, I'm not getting paid for this. Why am I in drag? Because I get the opportunity to to talk to people and to have a laugh. It's not all about the one thing for me. It's now I've got this platform, so I'll use it and have a little chat. And if people like it, then great. And if they don't, then go on the internet, slag me off, but say my full name so they're still out there. Right. Yeah. Either way, it works. And I'm quite happy that we could... Uh have this chat. I'm uh, enjoying it uh, quite a bit. And uh, thank you. It's been rearranged about 10 times. And then, (laughs) and then I was late and then you had to have a poo. So I couldn't, I just, you know, we had to do it. It We had to the anticipation at that point, especially post poo. What a glorious feeling as well. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about before? Oh, now I have to flog me merch. I have to do all that bollocks. And I listen to me music. Yeah. Google me. I don't know. Buy something. Buy something if you've got the money. If you haven't, then don't buy it. Well, sure. And are you on Cameo? Yeah, I'm on the Cameos. I'm doing those. That's what I was filming, actually, when you, when you know, you're like, oh, something's going on. And I was filming a Cameo. And I've done this one about 10 times because I can't pronounce the name right. So, yes, I am on Cameo. <laughs> and I will try it 10 times to get your names right. Um, <clears throat> but, no, I don't know. I don't know. What I've been rambling a lot in this one. I think you've, you've caught me in a very good moment. So, to anyone listening... Ignore everything that I've said um, and just let the music and the art speak for itself. (laughs) I like a good ramble on the show. And actually, now that I'm remembering, I was trying to remember what I wanted to ask before. Uh, But I I don't like to do notes during the show. So I just 
try to keep something on my mind. I think sometimes I it works, I sometimes it doesn't. You said um, maybe, you know, if things went a little bit differently on Drag Race, that you could have uh, become a See You Next Tuesday. Was there anyone on the uh, cast that became a bit of a See You Next Tuesday with the competition nipping at the neck? Yes. Interesting. Anyone in particular? If you don't want to say, that's fine. I have a feeling who you weren't getting along with based on what we saw in your last episode uh, in the workroom, but... Yes. Fine. That's fine. We, uh, we'll take it <laughs> We'll take it as interpretive. You know, it, I would be... Uh, I will say this. I will say this. Is that when you are in there and you are in that environment, it's a very vulnerable position for anyone to be in. Yes, I know we all put ourselves there, but put that aside. It's a very vulnerable position. So we are not ourselves in that sort of environment. Every single person that was in there, I admire, I respect, and pretty much got along with. Which to say, you know, I'm not going to be texting certain people every single day. We're not best friends. We were good work colleagues. You know, that's what I can say about, about a few of them. But a lot of them were absolutely fine. So I like to kind of be like, we are all insecure pigs in wigs. So I, I don't want to judge anybody too much because of the scenarios and, and what happened. And and to be honest, I didn't really have any beef with anyone. Um, <clears throat> and I know you're probably referring to Lawrence here. Um, when I didn't really have beef with Lawrence and, you know. Yeah, it just a, it was a moment. That's the other thing that I think people need to remember is that you can have a cranky moment and just there happens to be cameras there. And yeah. uh-oh. Uh, and, then, and then they do their thing, you know, go, oh, and then what they ask me in the question, you know, what did you think when 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 Lawrence did this? And I'll be like, well, she was. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> you know, I was I was quite crap at that because I was like, well, I can make something up for you if you want, darling. But I, my mind doesn't work like that. So it was interesting watching it back because I did see, you know, I'd say something um, to Lawrence and then there'd be like Lawrence in the confessional being like, oh, Jenny needs to shut her mouth. Um, and I just thought it was funny. I just thought it was great entertainment. Like I really, yeah, for me, I didn't really have a, a problem there, but I suppose if I did, it, I would have got like more followers and stuff. I suppose I should have culminated a little bit of that, maybe. maybe well, I think one of the things everyone loves about the UK edition is is that there's a, a lack of that kind of thing in general, which is nice. Yeah. But I mean, no matter what, the pressure of the whole environment is going to result in maybe some uh, cross moments. But I, I mainly wanted to bring that up because of the unfortunate online hate that has happened for Lawrence and others, sister as well, uh, because it's fun to talk about who oh, who was who was shitty that day, you know that kind of stuff. But it's really not that important. It's it's like any office that you're in, you're gonna have a distaste for someone if there's eight people, five people, whatever. Yeah, well, I think you know, from my experience, especially with sister, sister, she was the person that I how I didn't know, and the, the person I became friends with the most. You know, kind of in that and then since the show i'm very good friends with bimini and joe um and a few other of the girls and you know sister's now been added into that sort of oh she's my busy mate so when i watched it back and, and saw all the hate i was like what the fuck is going on because my experience of sister was so lovely so funny like that bitch could crack me up but i mean she's quite dry and she's liverpudlian so it doesn't you know that dry scouse sense of humor sometimes doesn't read on on camera it can come off like a bit awkward but that's no no excuse to 
to go online and to just lag people off. I think, you know, I've done it. I've watched a reality TV show and been absolutely livid that the my favourite hasn't won. I mean, even back in the days, the one time that I did watch Drag Race, I was it was the Ben de la Creme, you know, when she was first in it. And I remember really, because we watched it with friends, it was around about that sort of 2016 sort of time, 17. Um, and I was riled and I've been like, this is disgusting. I would never go like, I can't remember who the lipstick, I would never go online and be like, you know, you need to die or blah, 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 blah. Like that is just absolutely, I mean, it's appalling, but also I didn't quite realise how much of a real thing it was before I became one of these rude girls. I didn't think about it. So I wasn't expecting, I've been very lucky. I haven't hardly received anything to my knowledge, anything that I have seen. People are like, oh my God, she's wearing Crocs. Oh my God. And I'm like, that's funny. Like, you're an idiot. That's funny. I'm wearing Crocs on Drag Race. Like, do you not get the joke? Um, Do you not get that I was aware? I wasn't just like sort of cluelessly, didn't realize, oh, I wore the wrong shoes. What do you mean? So when I see like people, usually they're just getting outraged and really angry at me. I find it quite humorous because they clearly haven't got the joke. Um, so I, I, I just find that a bit more funny. So I've been very lucky, but then I've seen the, rea- the reactions to, to Sister and to, to Lawrence who had to come off Twitter. I just think, what the fuck are these people doing? Why are you bullying us online because of a television show? Like, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then shit your fucking mouth. I just, I just think it's appalling, really. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I can't, it's, I can't it's, excuse me. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, it's fun to say the worst things in the world about uh, someone on a reality show when you're watching it with friends or you're texting a friend or whatever. But there's private things, and then there's taking it into that realm. And also, at the end of the oh, day, oh, go the things ahead. I've said on WhatsApp, the things I've sent on WhatsApp to my group chat. <laughs> yeah, right. About some of the shows, I mean, it'll be shocking. But I can say those to my mates because it's like. It's me mates, and it comes from a place of like you're bantering with your mates. You'd be like, "Oh my god, they were terrible!" Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a laugh. But when you take that extra step and go online, that's no longer funny or a laugh. That's bullying and that's hateful. So, I mean, obviously, for all these people going online who are bullying and hateful, they clearly got some trauma going on in their lives. So I feel sorry for them. That's why when they when they say something about me, I just genuinely feel sorry for them. I can't be angry at them. But right. that, that's me. That's how I deal with them. I just feel a bit like, well, you know, those bullies at school are always the ones with a terrible home life. We know that now. So I think what's really going on with you, baby? That's not about me. I mean, who is it that said, let those bitches don't pay any rents. You pay those bitches no mind or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or Raula Paula or something like that. I can't remember. But she texted me the other day. She said, you still owe me that five pounds, you dirty bitch. And no, Michelle will not give you a tit wank. So we're on good terms. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. It's a little bit, you know. Well, listen, you you hold a very unique and special place in Drag Race history. You did it a lot for the show and uh, you made people happy, which is the last thing I want to say about the bullying stuff. It is a shame because the show essentially is like one of the few big, bright spots of light for people during this time. And sometimes, you know, you want to say like, well, this is why we can't have nice things because look, look what you're doing. So people should keep that in mind. Like, you know, do they, these people make you happy? Then try not to shit on them because you hating yeah. them is part of you being happy about the show. Like I said at the beginning about the, about the Hollywood films, about, you know, just remember that it is, it's all quite fake. Like, yes, it's a reality TV show, but how often in your reality are you having to work 16-hour days, getting in drag, meeting celebrities, doing all these things, getting told about your childhood, asked about your childhood trauma, and then 
can you make this from bin bags? Can you do this? That's not reality, is it, darling? So like, take a step back and be like, I'm glad you enjoy, you know, it's the people that get pissed off with me walking off being like, this is the most disrespectful thing she's ever done. I'm like, it's just telly, darling. Do you think Rue is losing sleep over it? No. Do you think I am? A little bit, but, you know, the other reason. <laughs> um, you know, it's just entertainment. That's what it is. And I'm glad that people are so passionate about it. But can they not use that energy to go online and say hateful things? Go graffiti, at least. Right. Like, if you want to say horrible things about Sister Sister, then do it on some graffiti so I can take a picture and go, Sister, look what I've seen. Isn't this funny? <laughs> and then maybe she can go take a photo in front of it the next time she's Exactly. And then it'll become a landmark. And then there'll be a little blue plaque, a little blue plaque. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just, just, you know, teenage suicide. Don't do it. As Kasia Davis would say. <laughs> <laughs> is your favorite drink still a gin drink? And if so, what is it? No, God, no. My favorite drink, um, Coca-Cola, full fat. Okay, glass bottle? No, I do love a cup of tea. I mean, come on. Okay, I mean, what I, kind of tea? What, what What's your favorite brand? Uh, oh, wow, now you're asking me. Yorkshire tea, bedtime brew. Oh, bedtime. I've not had that. I love the Yorkshire gold. I haven't had the red. Oh, yeah, the gold for hard water. Um, <laughs> I, I drink decaf. I, try, I don't have any caffeine. Um, apart from the stuff that's in full fat Coke. Um, so yeah, I always have decaf Yorkshire tea. That's what I have, but bedtime brew is my absolute favorite because it's decaf and it's got a few herbs in. So, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a massive, you know, herb and how namaste guru. I love all that bullshit. Crystals and all that. Do you have all that stuff? Oh yeah. Well, you're in my shrine. I'm not going to show you my shrine because it's mine. It's you know, private. Like, Listen, it's private. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's private. that's the bit that's hidden. That's the bit that no one sees, which I quite like. I quite <laughs> like that. Yeah, I've got my rose quartz for protection and a few other little things on the altar. What's the Moldavite thing? I see about that on TikTok, and I'm like, what's the? Does that ring a bell? Moldavite is that one of the crystal things? Oh God, I don't know. I, I it could be. I'm not. I'm no expert. Moldavite. Well, I mean, you know more about it than me, so I figured maybe I'd. I, uh, no, I, know, I know what's good for me in my chakra so i have my crystals but also you know often they're given to me by friends or families or witches and they'll give them to me and with a story so i know what they are but i wouldn't know i'm i'm not there fingering them myself you know i'm not crystals I'm are great sure. but when they come to me you know that's i wouldn't have no no idea what you're talking about but it's on tiktok i'd i got it i got the tick i got the tic tacs you see i got the tic tacs but i don't know how to use it i just put up some silly videos every now and again but I, I think that's pretty much that's pretty much the way to use it. I, I can't bear it. It's it's so loud. It, does it when you turn it on? Does it play for you? Is that yeah? Oh away? yeah. Yep. Straight away. And initially, I was put off by not knowing how the interface worked. But then I actually did a proper old thing, and I watched a YouTube video about TikTok. It demystified it. Now I quite enjoy TikTok. Once you get your for you page sort of tuned, and it knows what kind of stuff you like. I find the thing great about it is the accidental discovery of various people sharing their ex- stories and experiences and comedy from all over because Instagram is very much a locked loop. It's kind of like you might find people who are friends of friends, but you don't really see anything outside of your network, yeah. kind of. I don't like social media. Really. I just use it for Ginny. I wouldn't go on it usually. You mentioned you read a lot of books. Any uh, titles you'd like to suggest or any favorites of yours, that have, especially in the last year? Oh, well, in the last year, it's been impossible to read. I've just been reading, well, I've just finished um, a Joni Mitchell autobiography. Oh, I, I got to read that. She is fascinating. 
Oh my god! And it was it was it was um, one that was written with letters with um, another singer and a journalist. Um, and it, it was it's just been so insightful to go back to one of your icons and kind of demystify them, really, as opposed to being like what I think they are and make them a bit more human and to learn about that process. So that was amazing. But the only other books I'd love to recommend are by an author called Juno Roche. Um, and they've got a book called Trans, Trans, Trans and Queer Sex. Um, there's a few other ones and they are. Um, oh, God, it is Juno Roche, isn't it? Oh, my God. Let me Google it. Sure. Say anything wrong. There's so many Junos out there. Juno. Um, and their their books. I mean, she's absolutely incredible. Yeah, Juno Roche, um, trans, 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 and, and queer sex. They've been really useful, especially over this period and uh, over the last year, and going on this journey and discovery of identity are fabulous. They're like they're just real. You know, they're real. Sure. They're not like, um, medical or or distant. They're just the way Juno writes is so real. You know, it's very much like oh fucking hell I've got to do this I've got to write this book I've got to finish you know it's it's just amazing and the things they talk about are fabulous oh fab well it, that also reminds me of an article I have to send you if you haven't seen it uh I can't remember what publication it might have been spin it might have been Rolling Stone but Morrissey and Joni Mitchell interviewed each other and it is it is nuts I mean they chide each other about the smoking or the not like meat eating it it it's wonderful I'll have to send it to you Oh my God, please do. I mean, I can't fucking bear Morrissey's such a wanker. So, I, I'm in agreement 100%. <laughs> oh, God. We need to go in the wood chipper, that one. Disgusted. Disgusting. Yeah. The worst. The worst. Yeah. Well, with, with, with that, I'd like to thank you for a fabulous discussion. <laughs> yeah. And if you take away anything from this interview, Morrissey is a wanker. That's definitely the one. I'll re answer that question. Morrissey is a wanker. That's the last. That, that's the thing we want to leave you with. If you weren't sure of it before, and I don't know how you couldn't be, <laughs> keep it in mind. <laughs> well, until next time, Ginny Lemon, I look forward to talking to you again. I had a fabulous time, and thank you. Thank you. Mwah. For more stuff and plenty of things, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. <laughs> 